the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to a special episode of Beyond the Pitch. I'm your host as always, Phil Brown, and I have to say, I know I say this about a lot of people, I genuinely, genuinely mean this, I am ecstatic to have here Damien McKenzie, magnificent singer, actor from Glee, of course, um, my wife is extremely obvious, I'm getting to do this, and so is a bunch of other people who've been in touch with me, who uh, love this handsome young man, who of course shares the love with me of Manchester United and... I found out a while ago he listens to my pod, so I was extremely flattered that he did, and we got in touch, and he has kindly offered to do this. Uh, first of all, Damien, how you doing, man? Not too bad, Phil. How's it going? All good, all good. It's, uh, we're roasting our arse off here in Southern California, as you know. <laughs> so, uh, ah, very, it's very, very hot, but uh, here it's a pleasure to be on, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Nah, pleasure is all mine. Uh, first of all, before we get into Manchester United and all that, door, tell me about your life, your career, what's, what's going on right now? Ah, man, it's just like, you know yourself, all I mean, the entertainment world is just thoroughly on hold um, mm-hmm. since March. Like, I had a I had a summer tour lined up um, that I was out in the States for about six weeks. I was going to be on the road, and obviously that was cancelled. Um, and then I'm with a, a group as well, a music group called Celtic Thunder, mm-hmm. that I kind of started when I was about 14 years old. So that's kind of been half of my life at this point, um, where I kind of pop in and out of that. And we were meant to do three months in the autumn as well around the states about 45 or 50 different cities mm-hmm. um and that's been pushed to the autumn of 2021 so it's just my it's, it's you know i'm obviously the circle of friends i have everybody is heavily involved in the entertainment industry and you know the reality is everybody's just out of a job at the moment and there's no uh <laughs> there doesn't seem to be a structure being put in place uh for us at the minute you know and i suppose it's not too different than like for example having fans in stadiums and stuff with a similar type of similar type of issue you know ah, it is mate it's been and, and it's been a rough year for yourself I know obviously Glee you're, you're an actor and that and of course the tragic death of Naya Rivera just such a lovely lovely young woman um, lost in her prime such an awfully tragic story my heart goes out to her family of course and her young son and of course to yourself to me because I know that hit you very hard I thought I was I mean that's just shocking it's like it's all of a sudden you know I worked with a cast that were, you know, incredibly talented, uh, nice people, um, incredibly prolific at the time. Like Glee at the time was week in, week out. It was 20 million people were watching week in, week out, which mm-hmm. those ratings and TV, I know it's only five or six years later, but those ratings actually don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were at the pinnacle of those ratings. Um, and then all of a sudden they look around and, you know, you've lost three of those cast members already Yeah. since... 20, whatever, well, 2013. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's all very eerie. Obviously, incredibly sad. Um, I think the saddest thing about Naya is, you know, obviously she's lost her life, but um, she was a, a devoted mother as well. Um, so that's to a four or five year old son, and I think that's incredibly heartbreaking, you know. I mean, it's very difficult to put on the words when you think about it, and you think about what happened and how she ended up losing her life. It's something that uh, is just so. Be, so tragic it's beyond words and uh, absolute hero that woman uh, well not dwell on this topic but um, 
I wanted to make sure we pay tribute to her and her family and her young son. And uh, we wish them absolutely nothing but the best. Let's move on to another topic, Damien. Manchester United, of course, so love that you and I share. Uh, we've talked about this in text. we talked about this on the phone. We've talked about what we should expect this summer. We take a look around us. We see Arsenal now closing in Gabriel. They've sent Villian already. Everyone seems to be buying players with Manchester United. We were hoping this wouldn't be the case. Solskjaer gave Woodward a list a month ago. We seem no closer to signing a single player off that list than what we were a month ago. Um, once again, precious time wasted. We don't even look close to anything. Uh, how's your feeling on it right now? Uh, not great, Phil. Um, I think, especially looking around at our clubs, our, as you say, our clubs are moving forward. Our clubs are already um, investing, uh, making pretty decent signs. Like I'm even seeing this morning. Man City now and Koulibaly are like mm-hmm. officially being linked and that transfer is seemingly uh, you know the, the wheels have started on that and all of a sudden you're thinking these United are again going to not only not challenge for the league but they're going to fall to the top four mm-hmm. um, if this keeps up because we're standing still and our teams are very clearly getting stronger Man City signed three players already Koulibaly would I mean that's that's the definition of a big club in terms of what they're doing, in terms of moving forward, in terms of getting fresh faces in before they even get back to training, um, which then helps the atmosphere of the club. It, it, it brings excitement to the players. Like it all, it all adds up in terms of starting back at the season. And I think United mm-hmm. are on the verge of already. They're back in training in what you know, ten days, eleven days, and it's looking more and more likely that those players are going to get back and they're going to be looking around at each other, and there's not going to be any new faces at all uh, no fresh injection like Bruno Fernandes was in January um, and I think that in itself that's a mentality issue because those players know that yes we're on the right track those players know that yes I think Ollie's done a good job here but those players also know that we need three or four players like they're not stupid they know United need investment they know players like Bruno Fernandes he knows that Mm-hmm. Lindelof is a good player, good squad player. You're not going to win a title with Victor Lindelof at centre half. Right. You're just not. Right. So, well, one of the things that I was thinking about the other day was when Ferguson left in the end of 2013 season, in 2012-13 season, a club is basically transferred into a new direction. New, new people running the football club. David Gill left, and it was in the hands of Edward Bird. At that time. It was absolutely unthinkable that United would be in a top four scrap. Unthinkable, right? That back then it was one or two seasons without winning the league was a serious problem. And now we're looking at it saying, okay, the top four is something we've had to adjust our expectation. Why have we had to adjust our expectation? Why, since 2013, has the club not really done anything of note? Everything we celebrate happened prior to the people who run this football club taking over. They've showed no level of competence. They've shown that they're not—they're not—they're completely incapable of doing the job. We've wasted so much money, and now is the football club in a situation where, because it's wasted so much money, we have a razor-thin squad. We've got ridiculous wage bill, which is just a reflection of the incompetence. But does do we have even have the resources to support Solskjaer anymore? I don't think we do. Well, I, I, I simply don't think that 
like, you know, everybody knows about the Sancho link at the moment. Um, everybody knows that the fee that's been quoted, you know, the, around the hundred eight million area. Um, <laughs> I kind of, I almost laugh when I read it because there's no way, there's there is simply no way at the moment that United are going to spend a hundred eight million pounds on a player. Um, I personally don't believe it's going to happen. Um, I nearly think, you know, the ownership is very, very clear. Especially, I, I think it's become more clear. It's become much more transparent these last couple of summer transfer windows. The budget is the same every single summer. Yep. Um, last year, I mean, last year was blaringly obvious with the whole Harry Maguire saga. The money was not there for Harry Maguire until Lukaku yep. was sanctioned. That right. was that was as clear as day. If Lukaku hadn't went, United wouldn't have signed Harry Maguire. One hunt, make no mistake about it. Therefore, if you're going by that formula of that transfer budget, um, you have to ask. Maybe the owners are already looking at the Bruno Fernandez deal in January. Is coming into the transfer window budget in the summer. Is that a possibility? And therefore, if it is, that means we're actually dealing with less money this summer than every hour summer because we've already spent fifty million of it. Um, and then an issue we have this summer as well is that we, we don't necessarily have a big player that's going to bring up money. We don't have Lukaku that's going to bring in 75 million. We don't have, you know, mm-hmm. nobody is going to sign, a number one, I don't want to sell Paul Pogba, but nobody's going to sign a player for 100 million this summer. I, I just don't see that happening. You know, you've got Chris Small and if you'll get 20 million for maybe yeah. 25, we better look. Um a couple of our assets, but I, I I don't know if I'll, I don't think the money's there. Um, I think he'd be best off. Obviously, Jaden Sancho is an incredible talent. I would love to see him on Man United, mm-hmm. but I think long term United would be much better getting two or three very very good players, getting a Jack Grealish, getting a centre half, getting if you could a young attacking talent that would cost a quarter of what Sancho would cost, and that's. You know, it saddens me to say that, but this is the new expectations of Man United. This is it's the way it currently is. You know, you can say, well, we should be out buying the best players for the biggest money, and obviously we should be, but we're not, and it's not going to happen. Yeah, of course, you can talk about what should be and then what is. You, you, so when you look at the Lukaku situation, he, there's a couple of problems for that for me. First of all, Solskjaer was misled because he was told that if Lukaku went, the Senate would be, be, be brought in to replace him. Clearly that wasn't the case, right? Because you're absolutely correct. When you look at that, Lukaku sold. If that was the case, where that money would be used, where is that money? Because we haven't spent it, right? So we know it was spent on uh, Harry Maguire. We, but yet this football club didn't have enough money for a midfielder last summer, and that was the reason why the first half of the season happened. No question about it. So we signed Bruno Fernandez in January, which you're quite right, looks clearly like it came out of this summer's budget. And so here we are this summer, completely devoid of the resources to do the basics, and that is invest in the football club. You look at everyone else around us, they're all investing. Here's the problem for the Glazers. They are now going to become dependent upon success in football for revenues because advertising revenues are going to drop. The only thing that probably won't drop is TV revenue. But all these other clubs around the world are going to be hurting. The Chevy deal is up next season. That's going to have to be, so they're going to have to get a new shirt sponsor. This football club is no longer 
the football club that was inherited, inherited in 2013. This football club is what Arsenal were in 2013, a club that invested a bare minimum to finish in the top four. And there's absolutely no excuse for this. It's indefensible ownership. So you're quite right. There's no big signing to go out this summer. They've got rid of Sancho, Sanchez. They'll get rid of a couple more and they hope that they can get enough money for the down payment of Jadon Sancho because I genuinely think that's the problem. I don't think they have enough cash to put down the money for Solskjaer's signings. And here we are once again, a manager being asked to do the impossible and 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 and, 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 and finish top four with underwhelming recruitment. Um, so, so what do you think uh, is realistic between now and the rest of the summer? I mean, yeah, I think I think here's my problem, Paul. Is that right? You know, all this time is being spent on Sancho. Um, I'm very, very concerned that that transfer is not going to happen. Um, and then all of a sudden, we're at, <laughs> we're at mid-September where, you know, United start a week later and everybody else. But we're at mid-September. We're two and a half weeks away from the deadline. And all of a sudden, maybe it's starting to settle into the boardroom that right, Sancho's not going to happen here. And then you're at a blank canvas all of a sudden because I don't see any R deals being mentioned at the moment. I don't see any R progress. Yep. Um, in terms of maybe a Jack Grealish in terms of maybe a couple of our players and that is incredibly concerning because what I'm really worried about is, is if the usual happens here is how we ended up with Lamario and Fellaini's and how we ended up with mm-hmm. you know I love his passion and I love the fact that he loves playing for the club and I think everybody needs an Aguilo in your team but let's be honest he was an absolute panic buy to the highest degree um, and Everybody knows he's, he's not a Manchester United player, um, but this is what we could be looking at already come the end of September, and that's not being a pessimist. I'm re- like I'm I'm not. I feel I feel very positive about where Solskjaer is going. I feel very positive about the job he's done. I think he had an incredibly big job in his hands. Everybody knows that he had he got the team, he had a change of culture, um, not just results. Mm-hmm. And I think he's had a very very positive eighteen months in terms of starting to do that. But this is now a pivotal time. This is now a pivotal summer because well, what me and you both know what's going to happen here is the fixtures are released this morning, right? What's going to happen is United go through October, Champions League kicks in, they're playing every four days. When has Anthony Martial ever lasted? Ever lasted? Oh, no. Every four days. When you're going to get injuries, the Fernandez won't play all season. There's, there's simply no way. You can't expect a man to play 60 games. All of a sudden, you're left looking at exactly the same situation where we were in November this year, where it was painful watching Jesse Lingard and Andres Pereira trying to create chances. It was shocking. And that's my fear. My fear is that all this time is being spent in Sancho. I think we'd be best almost accepting the fact that maybe this isn't going to happen. And I listen, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully we're all wrong. But I think three-hour players for the squad would nearly be better. Here's the thing, Damien. Um, so, we've sacked Mourinho, we've sacked Van Hal, we've sacked all these top managers. Yet the people that put these people in place and the people that make the recruitment decisions and the people that make all the major decisions of the football club are never held accountable. Bayern Munich had a, a starting lineup the other night of 80 million. Right? Entire lineup cost 80 million that went to the Champions League final. Right? So, at what point do United as a football club say this is unacceptable governance? 
Never mind the manager. Never mind the people further down the chain. The, the governance. We, high on earth, you can sit with a razor thin squad, having spent over eight hundred million. It's truly incredible. It is ineptitude. It's Brewster's millions. It's ineptitude beyond belief. High on earth. You see, the, the the wage bill is another reflection of ineptitude. People people always talk about that as if it's a signal of investment. First of all, you need to have one of the lowest income to wage bill ratios in the league, but. What it also illustrates is that the job that Ed Woodward's doing, you and I could do. Anybody can sit Marcus Rojo down and give him a hundred grand a week and get him to send a contract. Anybody. But where you earn your corn as a executive vice chairman or chief executive, you want to call him, is making sure you get the best possible deal for the club. When I look at United Wages, they're completely disproportionate to uh, return on their investment. Anybody can do that. Anybody can go out and spend a hundred million on a player and sign him. So, other than the Davis deal and maybe the Chevy deal, I'm trying to understand what the value of Edward Bird uh, and his team is. It's painful. For, I mean, it, it really like I think what one of the one of the glaringly obvious um, mistakes and moves that United made those wages. To Marcus Rojo and Paul Jones, um, that that's embarrassing. That is embarrassing for people that call themselves businessmen. That is embarrassing for people that are meant to be running, you know, a huge one of the biggest football clubs in the world, one of the biggest also brands in the world. Mm-hmm. How you can make those mistakes? How you can how you can come? To, who is sitting in the boardroom? Well, coming to those decisions, saying he's worth. Hundred grand a week. He's worth hundred and twenty grand a week. I don't understand it. Marcus Rojo has been one of the worst signings in my United history, ever. Yeah. You forget he's, he's, been there for, he's, been, he's been there for five or six years. What has he ever done? Like honestly, it is unbelievable. He goes on loan and he can't even get a game of this. I mean, it's just phenomenal. You want you'd be lucky to get Rojo off the wage bucket this summer. I can see us again. It's. I thought Darmian was bad in terms of trying to get rid of him, and I actually quite liked Darmian in terms of his professionalism. And you know, he was a, he was definitely different than Rojo. But I it wouldn't shock me start of October Rojo still at my head, um, because of his wages. And again, that's a serious problem. And that's I don't know whoever's making those decisions um, need to be held accountable, and and then whoever's holding the people making those decisions accountable also needs to be held accountable. It's, <laughs> it's an absolute ladder of people that need um, need talking to you and the whole thing needs... And that's why I think Solskjaer coming in, this was always the problem, Paul, is that United have, especially since Fergie left, have developed a cultural problem. Um, it's been a long time in the making. It's like a virus. Um, I think with Fergie, we get away with it for so long because we yep. had the best boss in charge. Exactly. You know, the summer United sold Ronaldo, they signed Obertan and they signed, I'm trying to remember who else. Valencia and Michael Owen. Valencia and Michael Owen, there you are. Yeah. Can you imagine if that happened this summer? Right. Can uh. you imagine essentially United sell their best player, whoever that might be right now, let's say the biggest asset, Paul Popa, right? you're replacing with three average players, mm-hmm. even probably less than three average players. There would be uproar. The only reason there wasn't uproar 12 years ago when that happened is because, oh, this is Fergie, he knows what he's doing. You know, it was actually, it had the opposite effect. Everybody was excited about Michael Owen. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, that's not there anymore. There's becoming less and less things they hide behind. 
Um, so now the light is thoroughly being shone on the people running the club, the operations of the club, um, and Solskjaer coming in. That's why he had such a big job in his hands, fell because he had to completely. I mean, the, the amount of players he had to get rid of, number one, that were on major wages. Sanchez was a huge hurdle. Um, you know, nobody. I don't blame the club for that one because Sanchez was a world class player. Everybody was really excited about that. One reason or another that didn't work out. Um, I think, unfortunately, I think a lot of it is because Mourinho way didn't work out. Like a Solskjaer had to get Sanchez in his hands 18 months ago. It might have been a different story um, when Sanchez first signed. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think so, Solskjaer's done well, though. I really what do. I see, what I see, man, right? I looked at this, and um, one of the things is, this is going to be a bit long-winded. I'll try not to be this long-winded. But when you're... Manchester United's moves over the last eight years have been entirely predictable, right? So you can forgive David Moyes because that was, wasn't Edward Bird and his team's pick. So you could tell after David Moyes they were going to go for <clears throat> a direct opposite to David Moyes. Someone with a track record of success, someone with experience, someone that um, you could have confidence in. But when the people who picked him... They didn't really sit down and look at Van Hall and say, okay, he what he needs to be successful, uh, we have to provide him for. If you look at where Van Hall's been successful, Ajax, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, three clubs that are very similar in their entire structure from top to bottom. Three clubs that have exceptional youth academies, three clubs that have a mole, three proper football clubs run by football people, right? So he was successful at those clubs. He comes to Manchester United and they half commit to him and so you get players bought, maybe four or five players bought in Van Hal style. Second season, United start to lose interest, don't really want to keep spending. It hasn't delivered anywhere near what they thought he was going to deliver, so they sack him. And then in comes Mourinho. And again, if you look at Mourinho, where he's been successful, clubs that are very similar. Chelsea spent a lot of money to, to, to build a team in Mourinho's image. Uh, Real Madrid spent a lot of money to be to, to, to in Mourinho's image. Inter Milan done exactly the same, right? So when you bring in Mourinho, and then they get him some players and they half commit to him and so what have you got you've got a mishmash of players that are built for different systems that look completely out of place in the systems that you're trying to integrate them in and then when they leave the football club they recover form and they recover because they're bought by clubs who understand what they are and they're put in their systems to to get the best out of them so this is why we always have unbalanced squads because we don't really know what a mould is. We don't really know how to buy players that fit a certain mould and it constantly changes because the vision at the top is let's just win some trophies. We don't really understand how to get there, but we're going to keep having a go. So they stumbled upon a solution with Solskjaer, right? He hasn't wasted a single penny of the club's money with every signing that he's made. And here we are once again in his really his second season. We United are going, oh, I don't know. How on earth can you doubt Solskjaer? This is the best the club's ever been. And maybe it's not a question of doubt. Maybe it's just a question of resources. Because this club borrowed $140 million in May. And I've had it 100% confirmed that the reason why they borrowed that money was for cash flow purposes to get them through the pandemic. You take a look at what they've had to give. They've had to pay back rebates to, to broadcasters. Uh, they've had other, other outgoings. Uh, the question is... And it's an absolute disgrace that this football club needed to borrow 140 million. They've had plenty of money to get through this pandemic and be rich in cash flow. But we know why it had to be borrowed, which is completely indefensible. We are now in a situation where this club has been running their ground so much. I don't think the money not only is there for transfers, but this pandemic 
puts a whole glazer ownership at serious, serious risk. Aye, that's, I mean, for, 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 a, for a brand and a, one of the biggest clubs in the world, Paul, to borrow $140 million for operator costs is mm-hmm. terrifying. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's that's why, let's make no mistake about this. Um, you've got that on, on huge authority, so that is obviously accurate. Therefore, is. there is absolutely no way United are going to spend a hundred eight million. Jaden Sancho, it, it's not going to happen. It is one hundred percent not going to happen. We are dealing with a club that have had to, obviously unfairly through terrible ownership, we've had to adjust expectations. We've had to adjust the way the way United's run, our perception of United. Like we, unfortunately, it's not like it used to be. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have the financial muscle and flex like. Man City, we just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you knock around the Premier League, fall. Well, here's the thing: you can use money as an excuse all you want. The reality is that Liverpool don't have that clout either. You don't see Liverpool spend 150 million every summer. You also don't spend Arsenal doing it. Now Arsenal are a different story. They are, you know, they've been in shambles for a couple of mm-hmm. years now. Um, but even there in the transfer market, and Aubameyang signing a new deal. You can kind of maybe see about a hope coming on there. I think Arteta has mm-hmm. also shown about a, a lot of promise in terms of what he's doing, in yep. terms of the direction he wants to go. You can definitely see a much better Arsenal next year. Um, but my point being is that everything can't always come down to finances as well. There's clubs that do very, very good business um, because they've got good football people behind the scenes, mm-hmm. because they've got good structure, because as you say, they've got players coming on the system that are well-known mm-hmm. and therefore players have fit the mold of what you need. Um, so I do think there's bigger issues at United than having 150 million. Well, there's bigger football issues. Obviously, the financials are the biggest issue because if the if the owners are really running the club under the ground, then that's something that needs to be addressed very very quickly. Or in the next two or three years, this could genuinely get uh, very hairy. Um, I don't think anybody's too big to be a Leeds United. Um, so that just needs to. There needs to be a bit of transparency involved there, I think. Um, and if the, if the owners need help um, or they need to sell, I think the owners have been trying to sell for a long time, to be honest. Um, it's obviously just a very hard thing to sell. And I, I don't think this pandemic has definitely not helped that either. That's going to delay a potential sell of Man United for another couple of years. Well, so, but then, as you say, you look at those managers that have been hired as well, they're all different managers, and that's mm-hmm. why the last eight years have been the way they are. Yeah. Um, Louis van Gaal, people have, you know, people have this thing with nostalgia, where they look back and they think it's better than what it was. Make no mistake about it, the football under Louis van Gaal oh was the worst God, football I've ever watched. It was, in, it was awful. It was as bad as it gets. Yeah. Um, I remember waking up in LA at 5 a.m. in the morning, they watched watching all those, no shots and target at Old Trafford. That was oh, what you were looking well. at. Yep, it was it was abysmal, mm-hmm. um, and you know there's this nostalgic view of it now, where five years later you're looking at a couple of players in my head that Louis Van Gaal had a big say on, and they brought Rashford three same Martial, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. And yes, thank you for that. But the football, he deserved to be sacked. There's no doubt about it. You bring a Mourinho, different manager, different system, like an hour change of direction these things all come to a head full and there's no consistency within the club so that's why it was so sharkens on and they did stumble upon him um, and I would nearly say thank God they did because at least he brought about a hard pack he brought about a 
what Man United's about. Yep. Um, he knows what we're about. Like, he was here. He was a hero for us growing up. He was mm-hmm. a huge part of that culture. He was a huge part of that success. I think there's a lot to be said. At least, at least, in the short term, there's a lot to be said for somebody that knows the club, that genuinely wants the best for the club, not about themselves. Mourinho was always about Jose Mourinho. He always has been his whole career. Mm-hmm. Um, that's worked for him in some places. More recently, it hasn't, because we're now in a culture where, you know, this cancel culture. You, you can't, you can't be so self-indulged anymore. You need to be able to be part of a team. So sure is that. Um, he knows what United's about, and now he just needs the backing, whatever that looks like. Um, I think he could do a very, very good job next year if he gets the tools that he needs. You know. Yeah. Well, you hire a football man to do. And he tells you this is what this football team needs to accomplish its goals, and then it's up to the people, like he said, to go out and get those tools. They don't deliver that, then don't expect success. And when the inevitable happens, where United are not challenging for a title next season, I know that what will happen is a lot of people will get upset at Solskjaer and blame him, but they really need to avert their gears above him and say, look, you know, they, they, this is the, the the real reason is that uh, the people that run this football club are handing. You know, you can change drivers all you want, but if you give a guy money and ask him to win a rally, at some point you have to look at what the guy's being given to win the race and say, well, it's not sufficient. And um, So one of the things Ignatia fans have always said that we'll take to get rid of the Glazers is a boycott where fans don't go to the games. They starve them of cash and eventually the ownership model will collapse. COVID has caused that indirectly where fans can't go into games. It's costing you an awful lot financially. And maybe... For United fans, it might be endure this because this ownership model is not set up to be started with cash. It needs cash. It's it's heavily leveraged. Remember, another 140 million added to the debt that has to be paid back by 2025. Um, this really will put a massive strain on the Glazer ownership. They're not they're not intending to put money in, but the consequences for Manchester United could be utterly catastrophic, and we could genuinely believe me. United could easily find themselves in a hex situation. I think United will always find a buyer because they're such a massive football club. But this could get painful for a while. I, it's, as you say, it's now, we are now finally, we've reached the point where it's with the Glaciers, we're now in a catch-22 scenario here. Um, they were able to get away with past success and past you know, brand deals and how big United were without necessarily worrying about football success. Um, Ferguson was a huge reason for that. And then even though the failure in the last, you know, six, seven, eight years since since Ferguson has left, um, they were still able to financially get away um, with failure um, because of what has happened in the past. But now it's a cash 22 scenario where this was always going to rise to the top at some point. Um, the reality is failure will always catch up with you. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a it's a momentum thing as well. Um, and now the Glaciers are at a point where, as you say, finally it has reached the stage where they are now dependent on success on the field, um, and that has now become the main thing for them because there's not going to be anything to fall back on anymore if United don't qualify for the Champions League next year. Um, which you know I hate that that's a metric at the moment, and yeah. I hate that I even said that, but that's uh, unfortunately that is. <laughs> That is, that's the reality of where we're currently at as a football club. Um, you know, that is going to hit the Glaciers hard this time around. They, 
they actually physically cannot afford for that to happen anymore. Um, so all of a sudden they're now finally at a stage where they need to invest in order to actually have a sustainable financial football club next summer, um, whereas that doesn't used to be the case. So I think we've actually finally hit a crossroads where, for better or for worse, um, it's got to go one way or the other. I hope it goes away where they have to put some of the dividends into the club. They have to put their own pockets in the club. I, I really hope it does, but, you know, um, I'm skeptical whether that's going to happen or not. I know. It's another another summer of torture where uh, we're, you know, we've got muscle memory. We've been here before. We know how this goes. And I agree with you. I don't think Jaden Sancho is going to happen. Damien, listen, mate, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. An absolute pleasure. I would love to get you on throughout the season. And uh, I'd love, to, pleasure, love to do that, mate. And uh, absolute pleasure. And I wish you all the best of your career, mate. And uh, keep in touch with me, pal. Cheers, Damien. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. Sounds good, pal. Cheers, all mate. Bye. bye.